0: This is the Canadian Taxpayers Federation podcast. We're dedicated to lower taxes, less waste, and accountable government. So, Franco, he's our federal director. He's in Ottawa. Robin, you are our prairie director, and you are literally out on the prairie right now. Uh, we can see uh, the wheat field behind you. What's going on out there?
1: It's harvest time, Chris and Franco. It's, uh, yeah, I'm in Northwest Saskatchewan here on uh, Family Farm. Uh, I just play junior farmhands here, uh, help, help drive the grain carts and do some chores in the yard. Uh, There's a beautiful field of wheat behind me. Uh, we were gonna take this off today. Uh, it's been you know above 30 for the last couple of weeks here. Got a little shower last night, little cool, uh, cool uh, this afternoon here. So the folks are out swath and canola. And uh, yeah, I'm just doing some chores uh, in the yard right now. But it's, uh, you know, knock on wood, it's going really well in Northwest Saskatchewan uh, at this point.
2: You know, I can't actually do anything that uh, provides merit with my hands. So that's why I'm always here on the microphone uh, talking about the need for lower taxes. But just for anyone who's only listening to the podcast, we actually have Robin in the field. You could probably hear the wind. That's because it's a little windy in northwest Saskatchewan, I guess. But Robin, you know, let's talk about the price at the grocery store because it's soaring. Uh, You know, how is your harvest going and, and what does it mean for the future of food prices?
1: Yeah, harvest is going uh, really well. Like Again, yeah, notwithstanding the sort of chilly day today. Uh, for those viewing, you know, frankly, you can see uh, it's a little chilly. I'm wearing my bunny hug.
0: That's <laughs> <As laughs> well, a hoodie I'll, I'll for normal my... people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bunny hug. Bunny,
1: bunny hug, I think, is the correct correct term. But, uh, yeah, very, very local term. So, um, yeah, harvest is going well in northwest Saskatchewan. Uh, this, this is a wheat field behind me. Uh, we've taken off uh, just over a thousand acres of wheat in the last week or so it's running about 80 bushels an acre, which is actually a really great yield. Great quality wheat, a lot better than when Western Canada had a systemic drought last year. Uh, Yields are good. Quality's good. Um, that means there's going to be more, more supply, but yeah, at the same time, every Canadian, when they go and get groceries, they see their food bill rising. Uh, food inflation we saw was up 10% in July, the highest in 40 years. Um, you know, so more more supply, more crops. This is going to be good news for for food prices. That said, um, you know, Ottawa continues to increase taxes on farmers. They continue to increase the carbon tax uh, on on farm inputs, on farm suppliers. They're now talking about uh, forcing farmers to reduce fertilizer emissions. Uh, which could result in a reduction in fertilizer use. And this wheat field uh, behind me won't be as, as thick as that, if that's the case. Um, all of these things, you know, they drive up farmer costs, which are going to increase prices at the grocery store shelves uh, and hurt, uh, you know, food uh, security abroad as well. So harvest is going well, uh, but, you know, soaring taxes and crippling regulations from Ottawa aren't helping farmers and they're not helping families uh, buy groceries.
0: Now, Robin, you mentioned the carbon tax, and if you swing the camera back around, I'm pretty sure that what's laying on the ground there, the big white cylinder, is a propane tank. Can you break that down for us, how the carbon tax, yeah, how the carbon tax affects farmers and what they have to pay for? Yeah, it's right behind you there. It looks like basically a gigantic version of what people would use at barbecuing or camping.
1: Yeah, exactly. The uh, The silver structure there with the auger going into the top, that's a grain dryer and the white cylinder below is a propane tank. Exactly. So farmers in Western Canada, uh, big growers of grains, pulses, and oil seeds. Uh, a lot of farmers have these uh, on farm now. Um, grain dryers, yeah, they use propane or natural gas. Um, so while on-farm fuel use is in fact exempt from the federal carbon tax, Uh, propane and natural gas or not Uh, so much so that the parliamentary budget officer has done a report on this showing that by the year 2030, which isn't that far away, just those carbon taxes alone on propane and natural gas on farm could set farmers back $200 million a year. That's just on heating and, uh, and drying. You know, as I mentioned, if you're hauling stuff on farm and off farm fertilizer, grain, uh, all of the suppliers, equipment manufacturers, everything that feed into the agriculture value chain uh, affects farmers. The carbon tax drives up the cost of, uh, of everything in that regard. And that drives uh, farmer inputs up, farmer costs up, and ultimately hurts the, uh, the bottom line. But of course, it's going to drive up uh, food prices as well at home
2: and abroad. All right. Let's shift to just one other thing that you kind of mentioned and forgive my ignorance here as I sit in my downtown office in Ottawa, but you know, We saw all the protests going on in the Netherlands over uh, what they're doing with fertilizer reductions. We also saw this uh, the government in Sri Lanka fall on the issue of food prices. Here in Canada, I can tell you right now, the groceries, ground beef, it's going through the roof. And yet the Feds are still talking about fertilizer reductions. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, can you really break right. down what's going on?
1: Exactly. Yeah. And those are great examples, Franco. Uh, you know, the government of Sri Lanka actually banned fertilizer use, trying to force farmers to go back to sort of ancient organic methods. And uh, the food supply dried up and prices spiked and they overthrew the government. Of course, we've seen the protests, as you mentioned, in in the Netherlands and across Europe. So the feds here, um, they just concluded a consultation suggesting that they want to see fertilizer emissions reductions of 30 percent in the coming years now the reality is is that fertilizer manufacturers in canada they produce uh, what we're talking about here is really nitrogen nitrogen is a nutrient it's uh you know 80 percent of the air we breathe uh it's a key nutrient for plants to grow like this wheat behind me that's what helps grow those large yields and high protein wheat for all of the food that we eat so if uh, if Producers of fertilizer, of nitrogen, are already doing it cleanly and greenly in Canada. Uh, They're reducing emissions. They're doing it uh, in incredible world-leading ways. If that turns into hard reductions in actual nitrogen and fertilizer on farm, like that weed field behind me is not going to look like that. It's going to be thinner. It's going to have less protein. It's just going to be a, a poorer crop. There's going to be less of it. Uh, and because of that, just basic supply and demand prices will go up. But farmers will be hurt because the yields will be uh, be way down as their input costs rise. So this consultation just closed at the end of August. Uh, you know, hopefully the feds are, are trying to find a way to back out of it because, the prime minister is going around the world uh, talking about, you know, the war in Ukraine, uh, global supply chains, uh, how Canada and Canadian farmers will help feed a hungry world. While at the same time, talking about reducing fertilizer use at home while driving up these carbon taxes. Um, It's just it's cognitive dissonance. It makes no sense if uh, if if you're doing anything other than pontificating about legitimately wanting to help farmers by getting out of the way. Uh, and allowing them to do what they're doing in terms of uh, feeding a hungry world.
0: It just makes no sense, Robin. Uh, how can you talk about feeding a hungry world if you're strangling your own suppliers here at home? It It's nonsensical. Now, you talked about higher costs. You talked about carbon taxes, lower yields because of fertilizer reductions. So farmers, it sounds like they're backed into a corner. What options do they have? Like, aren't they already like reducing their emissions using modern equipment. I mean, this is not, you know, little house on the prairie here. Like they're really highly technologically advanced on farm, aren't they?
1: World-leading production in Western Canada in terms of how we farm. And we're, you know, we should be celebrating this, championing it, and uh, helping to provide these innovations and technologies around the world to help farmers reduce their emissions globally uh you know the western canadian wheat growers association they they actually did a study in western canada here showing that uh just like this wheat crop behind me uh those plants are growing and how farmers are farming in western canada production is a massive net carbon sink it is a good news story farmers are reducing emissions by the tune of 33 million tons a year it's like getting millions of cars off the road annually. So farmers are already doing this by using modern technology, growing growing these uh, high yielding crops, achieving your desired policy outcome of reducing emissions. And so what are the feds doing? Punishing farmers by continuing to increase these taxes and regulations. You know, if you, that's carbon tax obviously, plants suck the carbon out of the air and store it in the soil, a pretty, pretty basic uh, process. Fertilizer manufacturers as well in in Western Canada producing nitrogen are doing it uh, using world-leading technology, clean and green production, and we should be celebrating that uh, that as well. Uh, you know, it's 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 also perverse in the sense that if you're making those industries not competitive, you're going to drive that production uh, abroad where GHG emissions are going up. So, you know, you're going to reduce food supply while, in fact, the increasing emissions rather than uh, than reducing them. So this is uh, yeah, it's topsy turvy, right, Chris? Like it's just uh, it it makes uh, makes no sense. So farming is a good news story. Uh, you know, fertilizer Canada as well. They've got a great program with farmers, ensuring the farmers are using that technology to apply fertilizer at the right time, right place, right rate, right source. Um, that's another exciting uh, innovation we should be uh, sharing with uh, with the
2: world, rather than uh, hamstringing or even even kneecapping farmers here at home. Well, Robin, uh, we know that you're super busy out there in the field, so we're, we're going to let you go, but thanks so much for coming on to break the break down this complex issue, uh, for our supporters. Now, this is one of the biggest issues in Canada, if not the biggest issue. It could get worse. And that's why we need all of our supporters really to take some action. So here's a few things that you can do at home. Number one, Robin wrote a fantastic national piece for the Financial Post. Go give that a read. We'll include it in the show notes and share with your friends and family. Uh, but then even beyond that, go on taxpayer.com, sign the carbon tax petition, share it with your friends and family as well. And hey, while you're at it, sit down on your computer, write your MP an email or give their offer a phone. Anyways, Robin, thanks so much for coming on today. Thanks for and Chris. Take care. Hey, guess what? We got some big, 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 big wins. Chris, why don't you tell us about a few of them in Alberta?
0: Yeah, I'm going to start off with my favorite. Uh, we actually got the vast majority of United Conservative Party leadership contenders. So these are the folks that are vying for former Premier Jason Kenney's uh, job. We got the vast majority of those folks to sign a Canadian Taxpayers Federation pledge promising they will never impose a PST on Albertans and they won't raise taxes <laughs> if they become prime minister. So we got that win. We actually brought, uh, we, me and my daughter hauled all these massive like plastic pledges with us up to the uh, debate site into this theater upstairs in this little room. And we handed out Sharpies and they all came in one-on-one and they took pictures. They had videotaped the whole shebang and they they signed it. It was good to see. Hey, you know,
2: I'm just curious. Uh, I mean, these leadership candidates must be pretty busy. Like what's what was the back and forth trying to, to wrangle them into signing a pledge? Can you give us a little bit of, uh, of the background on that?
0: Yeah, it is. Um, it, on the surface, it looks really easy, but actually trying to wrangle that many people to be in one place and all staggered so they don't have to see each other was challenging. Uh, I think in another life, I must be a wedding coordinator or something, getting all these moving parts to go in one place at one time. Uh, But yeah, there's some folks that are like, I want to do it all as a group shot all at once. And others say like, I want to do it first so I can scoop everyone on social media. We actually had a really funny moment where one of the candidates uh, half jokingly said, I'm going to take the blue pen so nobody else can use like the party color blue. And he actually took it. (laughs) (laughs) And so we had to, eventually he came back and brought it back. We thought it was funny. I mean, I had eight different colors of Sharpie there, so it didn't matter. Um, But yeah, it it was actually uh, quite the challenge of getting them all to do it in one place, one time. We finally settled on doing it right in the same theater as the debate, because we knew they'd all have to physically be there anyway. We did it during the walkthrough and they all popped up there. Uh, What's interesting, though, is while it's fun in the sense that you're doing something a little bit visible and stunty that's a lot of money. Like them saying that they won't impose a PST that is billions of dollars a year and no tax hikes. Like we will hold them to this. When they become <laughs> premier, they can't raise taxes unless they want me like chaining myself to their front door. Like they uh, now have do it. And I'll do it. <laughs> so yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of work, but I'm really happy to see it happen.
2: Yeah. And I mean, just ask Aaron O'Toole what happens when you break a Canadian Taxpayers Federation pledge. <laughs> Not fun stuff. It's like, hey, use the chair, use the chair. We use the pledge. Um, yes. Now. You know, you talk about the billions and billions of dollars uh, every single year that no sales tax saves Albertans. Let me just provide even more context on why this is so important. Now, I was uh, Franco Terrazano, formerly the Alberta director. <laughs> and let me tell you, whenever it was budget time, you'd have all these academics at the universities, you'd have the union bosses, you'd have the other tax activists out there pushing for a provincial sales tax. We want a sales tax. We want a sales tax. We want a sales tax. Uh, even the a big business group one time wrote a report musing about a provincial sales tax so having this pledge to point you to say no 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 no. the premier uh or the leader whoever it may be has already signed a pledge saying no sales tax that is a huge win huge 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 win for alberta taxpayers now chris one other huge win for Alberta taxpayers is that Premier Jason Kenney announced that he is going to end this sneaky backdoor income tax hike known as Bracket Creek. Back in 2019, before his first budget, Kenney said that he would balance the books without raising taxes guess what? He broke that promise buried within his first budget was that sneaky form of taxation bracket creep. And bracket creep happens when governments stop moving tax brackets with inflation so that taxpayers can be bumped into paying into higher tax brackets, even though what we can afford to pay hasn't actually increased. Bracket creep can also erode the tax-free portion of our incomes. And guess what? Bracket creep is would be costing Albertans, what, hundreds of dollars. But of course, mm-hmm. that cost goes up every single year. And as inflation gets bigger and bigger and bigger and higher and higher. So, Chris, <laughs> I've rambled on for enough, but there's a few other wins in Alberta. Can you tell us about those?
0: I just want to put a point on it here uh, because it's difficult. We fight sometimes for years to get wins, Franco. And I know you fought hard for this one when you were Alberta director. And one of the last op-eds you wrote uh, for Out This Way, you said directly to the premier, you appealed to him saying, you know what, on your way out the door, may want to clean up this mess that you left here. And credit where it's due, he did. So that's a really good thing. And it's going to save Albertans, he said on average, around $300 a year. So that's significant money. That's a big haul of groceries for a family, like your weekend shopping. Um, So good on... all round to make that happen. And yeah, it was let's take the run around the racetrack while we can. Right. It was great news uh, about a week or so ago, because on top of them saying, you know what? Yeah, we'll pledge to no PST. We'll pledge to no tax hikes. We will get rid of bracket creep and save you about 300 bucks. They also uh, took a massive surplus. It was about 13.2 billion dollars and they spent it well They didn't blow it. I know. (laughs) Everybody stop. Okay. They didn't blow it. Okay. On some, I don't know, a special interest group or some harebrained conference that they wanted to hold about basket weaving. No, they actually put a huge chunk of that down onto the debt. And then they've put a little smaller portion of it into a rainy day fund. A lot of folks refer to it as our heritage fund here in Alberta. Now, of course, this is because of a big boom. It's because of our natural resources. We were able to get what they are, you know, often call an unexpected surplus. So yeah, $13.2 billion ain't bad, but they could have screwed it up. They could have blown all of it, but they didn't. They did the smart thing. They reduced taxes and they saved some for a rainy day and they paid down part of the debt. So Really good news out this way for taxpayers in Alberta.
2: Yeah, tax relief, check, paying down the debt, check, and putting money into some savings for the future, check, check, check. Um, yeah. Like, look, I don't I don't think we should downplay this. This is exactly this is exactly what we want to see a government do when it has a budget surplus like this. So really what the Alberta government just did should be uh, really a leadership example for the rest of the provincial governments. And hopefully one day the federal government, if I can get my act together and and, and do the job as good <laughs> as I need to be doing it. But but you know what, um, this is such a big victory for Albertans, really, because here the thing right let's go back to bracket creep for a moment when politicians impose bracket creep they do so because they hope the population the people won't notice but guess what canadian taxpayers federation supporters noticed the thousands of our alberta supporters noticed, and they emailed 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 and kept the pressure on their mlas and the premier to do the right thing and because of their effort the premier did eventually do the right thing now I also need to point out that we're getting some other wins across Canada as well. Uh, Somehow BC just stumbled into a surplus. New (laughs) Brunswick is running a surplus and get this, even in Quebec, we have some of the main parties, the CAC, the liberals, and the conservatives uh, all announcing income tax relief. So Simmer, uh, we're getting some good victories across Canada. And with that, I just want to reiterate our supporters. It's no time to, uh, to take any days off now. We have to keep the pressure on, especially, the pressure on those federal politicians
0: you had a little bit of I don't know it's our version of fun you (laughs) dug up some more information on a crown corporation that's blowing our money by handing out pay raises get this pay raises during the pandemic yes it's the latest chapter in this saga of the tale of two pandemics so which crown corporation is screwing us over now
2: <laughs> yeah, well, that's now. Uh well, this one is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh so the the Crown Corporation that is now screwing taxpayers over is uh wait for it, Destination Canada. Yeah, I bet you didn't even know we had a Destination nope. Canada, but they are the Crown Corporation that is essentially supposed to be promoting uh tourism in Canada. Well, get this, Destination Canada thought it was a good idea to hand out bonuses while tourists weren't allowed to come to Canada. Yeah, I see you're uh, shaking your head there. How does it (laughs) make sense? Well, their executives, they got their executives got bonuses of about $32,000 each in 2020 on average and $16,000 each on average in 2021. So let me just paint the picture for you during the pandemic, during lockdowns, when people weren't allowed to travel to Canada, the crown corporation that is tasked with promoting tourism to Canada thought it was necessary to give their employees or executives bonuses and pay raises. Chris, that's like giving a zamboni driver a bonus when there's no ice in the rink
0: ah uh, no kidding okay it's completely wrong and tone deaf and silly for destination canada to be handing out pay raises and bonuses mm-hmm. while the industry that it is supposed to be promoting was shut down it was locked down so you've got a few more numbers here though can you break down more of these costs like they're just really eye-popping
2: yeah, I mean, the one off the top is what the executives got. I mean, in 2020, the average bonus for one of these executives was $32,000. Now, in this A-tip that we got back, Destination Canada is like, well, you know, uh, we acknowledge the hardships that the tourism industry went through uh, during the pandemic. So don't worry. Uh, we took it on ourselves to reduce the bonuses. But they still got sixteen thousand dollars each. These executives in twenty twenty one. So yeah, thank you.
0: Like that is (laughs) a new car. That is crazy. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, but I mean, in total, there was eighty four destination can employees that received a bonus in twenty twenty. There was ninety two employees that received a a bonus in twenty twenty one. Keep in mind, this isn't a big shop compared to some of the other big crown corporations that we look at, but it's still about 87% of their employees that received a bonus in 2020. And just remember what happened in 2020. Remember the hardships and the lockdowns that the tourism industry had to face. And look, if you add up these bonuses, uh, they add up to about $1.2 million over those two years, but wait for it because the gravy doesn't stop with the bonuses. No, no, no. They also handed out pay raises to 79 of their employees, uh, in 2020 and 63 of their employees in 2021. And, you know, I'm anticipating that next question. And the answer is no, there were no pay cuts. (laughs) Surprise, surprise.
0: I was going to ask because it doesn't hurt to ask. You never know. You could surprise me one of these days. Um, (laughs) I think it's easy because uh, most human beings like to try to forget painful things. Um, It's easy for us to try to, you know, leave the COVID mess behind and just pretend nothing bad happened. But let's not do that. Let us actually think about how bloody hard it was on the industry, like hotels and restaurants, the tourism industry. They went through a lot of pain during Mm -hmm. these lockdowns and this COVID mess. But meanwhile, the bureaucrats who are responsible for promoting their industry gave themselves bonuses and raises. We really need to separate the two tale of the two pandemics here, the us and the them.
2: Yeah, no kidding, right? I mean, it's a good bet that there weren't many servers in the restaurants that were shut down that were getting bonuses uh, no, when they were no essentially kidding. sent to the ranks of the unemployed. So uh, we're here scratching our head, wondering why bureaucrats responsible for m- promoting the tourism industry thought it was a good idea to, to give themselves bonuses when the government we- wasn't letting tourists actually come to Canada. Uh, I mean, look, remember, March 2020, Uh, the government banned non-essential travel to Canada. And I believe it was like a little bit more than a year later, I saw a press release from the government in August of 2021 saying that they were finally um, allowing uh, uh, travelers from the United States to come to Canada. So it was a long time when tourists weren't allowed to come to Canada and of course even travel within Canada was restricted many times we were told not to do uh non-essential travel and and of course there were so many restrictions in the rest in the restaurants and in the tourist industry uh during those years but look let's also look at some of the data too right i mean canada's tourism spending was cut in half in 2020 Uh, Tourism spending in 2021 still far below pre-pandemic levels. And look, it's not like Destination Canada didn't know that the tourism industry was taking it on the chin while it was stuffing its face full of bonuses. Let me read you a direct quote from one of Destination Canada's own reports. Quote, in 2020, almost 900,000 jobs were lost at the height of the crisis, representing 43% of all tourism employment. In 2021, tourism employment over the first 10 months of the year remained 21% below pre-pandemic 2019 levels, a loss of 360,000 jobs. So the people people they are supposed to promoting are suffering. They know that. And then they still give themselves bonuses and pay raises.
0: Yeah, this is a real thing. Um, One of my longest friends, if we've been friends since our eighth grade, she had a great job uh, running a hotel. She was making that thing run like a top and her husband was working on a pipeline that was heading down South at the same time she lost her job and they shut down the damn pipeline. So Mm. these, these are real people that get brutalized by these sorts of decisions, but I have to try to play devil's advocate here could it be possible that the folks at Destination Canada were working a form of overtime in order to somehow promote the industry, even though it was shut down, to somehow keep it afloat? Like, was this like a Operation Keep the Lights On sort of job detail? Maybe? Tell me, please.
2: <laughs> well, I don't think cranking out advertising internationally would really help much no. when tourists physically were not allowed to come to Canada. Okay. And look, maybe maybe they were working extra hard to try to promote tourism within Canada. But remember, even non-essential travel within Canada, we were told not to do at many times oh, yeah. during the we pandemic. To many home. times. Like
0: yeah. stay home, stay home. That was like so, the mantra for 2 years. Yeah. And sure. and and I have I have a few
2: personal examples of when I was supposed to be traveling in Canada during the pandemic. I mean, one was December of 2020. Uh, this is when my mom was still living in BC. She was living in British Columbia for a few years. And I was supposed to finally travel home to see her and, and my younger sister. And uh, I didn't go because there was lockdowns uh, yep. that month. Remember, remember when Christmas was like canceled. You, yeah. I re- I sure remember that. Um, I remember talking
0: to you over Christmas when you're by yourself. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, and, and governments were specifically saying like, Hey, avoid non-essential travel. I remember that. Um, but even when, Non-essential travel was allowed in Canada. We still have to remember just how impacted the tourism industry was. And here's another example. Uh, my best—I can't go into all the details here because this is a family show. Uh, but my <laughs> best friend was getting married, and 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 I had the privilege of hosting the bachelor party in Fernie, BC. Um, but look, we'd go to the restaurants. Uh, we'd order our diet cokes, of course. And and here's the thing: it was huge restrictions still in place so sure we were were allowed to go to these restaurants but these restaurants were not at full capacity not even close so even when there was uh, tourism allowed in Canada it was still severely restricted Uh, but let's look at the bigger picture here and it's just two points come to mind one is that it's extremely tone deaf for the agency that is responsible to promote an industry to give itself bonuses when that industry is struggling and the second thing is that let's look at it from the perspective of taxpayers because destination canada got 121 million dollars from taxpayers last year uh it got 96 million dollars from taxpayers the year before that so essentially you're having struggling taxpayers during the pandemic footing the bill for their bonuses completely unacceptable
0: this is not right and we have to fight it. So I, in that context, I think it's important and this part of the show on the broader issue. And that is, of course, this is not the first time that crown corporations have handed out bonuses and pay raises during the pandemic. I don't know if it was you who coined it, but this is definitely the tale of two pandemics. And we've had other violators here, too.
2: Oh, sure have. Yep, totally. And uh, our favorite <laughs> violator, I guess, is uh, the Bank of Canada, right? One job, keep inflation low around 2%. Well, if you've somehow dis- been able to get out of the rock that you've been living under, you know that the Bank of Canada completely failed to do its only job and to reward its employees for that failure. The Bank of Canada handed out $45 million in bonuses and pay raises in 2020 and 2021, But, of course, the tale of two pandemics doesn't end there because there's another Crown Corporation that is no stranger to the taxpayer cookie jar. Of course, I'm talking about your favourite Crown Corporation, the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation. Now, its overall objective, according to its own website, is housing affordability for all. Well, again, if you haven't been living under a rock, well, maybe you have been living under a rock because it's been very difficult to live under the roof to your own home. (laughs) Because you
0: can't afford it.
2: Because you can't afford it. Uh, even though they failed to to essentially do their one job of housing affordability, they handed out nearly $60 million in pay raises and bonuses during the pandemic. And then, of course, there's everyone's favorite state broadcaster, the CBC. Uh, they gave themselves $51 million in bonuses and pay raises in 2020 and 2021. Now, Simmer, I don't know about you. Well, I do know about you. Uh, <laughs> but if the CBC has millions and millions of dollars left, Lying around to hand out bonuses and pay raises during a pandemic, then maybe they don't need to take a billion bucks from taxpayers every single year.
0: Nope, let's defund them and save more than a billion dollars for taxpayers <laughs> every single year. That would be a nice big thorn out of people's sides here in Canada. Now, folks, we know that this can get gloomy. We know it can get frustrating. But as we explained uh, earlier in the show, we can get good wins if we push back and we all speak with one voice. So here in Alberta. We're not going to have a PST. We're not going to have tax hikes and we're putting money down on the debt. All good stuff. But it only happened because folks like you picked up the phone and you sent in emails and you said, not on my watch, guys. You better Uh smarten up. We can do this federally. So if we all push in one direction together at the same time, we can get them to stop handing out pay raises and bonuses to fat cats and bureaucrats at Crown Corporations while we're all getting kicked in the teeth. How do you do that? Go to our website. Taxpayer.com. You can sign the petition there calling for fair pay for taxpayers. Go do that.